0: good morning, Solid Rock Church. Um, I hope I don't uh, be not too loud at times, but um, I'm not going to start off loud anyway, and we'll see whether or not I ever get loud. But I just wanted to thank you all for those of you who um, gave cards to Pastor Kurt. I saw him at uh, Lauren and Jeffrey's wedding, and he said that it was very, very, very meaningful. So thank you so much for uh, blessing him and honoring him on his 15th Uh, work anniversary with Solid Rock Church. Um, Usually, I do not share um, the titles of movies that I've seen. Um, I probably am going to share at least two today. Um, The first one is the movie The Untouchables. The movie The Untouchables is about a I don't know if they were FBI unit that was especially organized to go after Al Capone. And so they have to they have to get a special unit because the normal routes of law enforcement are tainted by the mob. They receive money. They look the other way. They allow lawlessness to take place. So. These individuals that are part of the untouchable unit, they are picked to be part of the unit. So like on most teams, you have people who do different roles and have different personalities. So Kevin Costner is the young, idealistic, moral, we're going to get them. And then there's the character, my man, I like this character the best, Sean Connery. Sean Connery is the old, grizzled, uh, ethical police officer that is not taking anything from the mob, but sees the corruption that is going on within the police force and is wondering, like, okay, young buck, you have all this idealism. What are you prepared to do with that? We've just come out of a series where we've looked at the supernatural storyline of the Bible. And one of my questions for us is, what are we prepared to do with that? And over the course of this month, August, we're going to look at two things that we can do that will help us to be very active in that other realm that we do not see with our eye, and that's the supernatural realm. It's not going to look any different than what we're called to do, but hopefully it propels what we're called to do, not just as this is what we're supposed to do, but this is what we actually do. Even as Sean Connery gave up his last breath because he gets killed, I mean, that kind of person is going to get killed in a situation like that. Evil is going to, like, we need to take him out. As he's dying and handing something that is going to be of great import to Kevin Costner, what do you think his last last words were? What are you prepared to do? Solid Rock Church, I trust that we will be prepared to intentionally and actively participate in the warfare that we're already part of anyway, but with much more intentionality and focus and vigor. Our focus throughout this month is going to be taken from Ephesians 6, Verses 18 through 20, which read, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to, the, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. I, I trust that at the, by, at the end of the month, we will have some practical tools on how we can better participate in the responsibility to pray, as well as to evangelize, because those are pieces of, 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 of warfare that we need to embrace as part of being Christians here in this realm in which we are—that we—that's the only one we know. So, just for we're going to look at the context. We're going to spend a lot of time just looking at the context of verses 18 through 20. Now, you heard a lot about the context last week, right? Um, but you're going to hear uh, hear like uh, if you think of about a diamond that has like different facets facets of it, um, you're going to just see it from from a different angle. Okay, um, so we're going to We're going to pray, and then we're going to read um, 6 through 20. However, I should say we're going to look at the context. Then we're going to talk just a smidge about prayer and just a smidge about evangelism just to get us on the runway. All right? So would you please join me as I pray? Father, we thank you for this day which you have made. Every day that you make has purpose. Part of your purpose for today includes us. We may not know everything that, we, that awaits us today, but we thank you that part of what is in the plan for us is to, to be here with the people of God and to hear the word of God and to live lives that apply the word so that we can have effect for you. So that we can advance your kingdom so that we can uh, allow for uh, so that we can willingly um, be the vehicle through which your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we ask you that you would please uh, open our ears and our hearts. May our hearts be good ground for your word. And Lord, by emphasizing your word, I am saying not my word. (laughs) Not my word, but may your word be heard. I do pray that you would allow me to decrease and that you would increase that your voice would be heard louder than mine and that you would do something that is impossible for me to do and that is to speak to each one who's under the sound of my voice. Whether that is here at The Rock, whether it's via live stream or whether it is downloaded and heard some other way at some other time. Father, we pray that you will be with us because we've come to hear from you and we thank you, Lord, that you are with us in Jesus' name. and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to. This passage, as Pastor Kurt said, is the heavyweight champion of spiritual warfare. When you think about spiritual warfare, most people will think about Ephesians chapter 6. The section begins with Paul informing them. This is what Pastor Kurt said, um, informing the believers that they were at war. After everything mentioned in Ephesians chapter 1 through 6, verse 9, Paul reminds the Ephesians about the war that they are in. And he gives two commands in light of the war to be strong. So he describes the war in 10 through Ten through twelve and then from thirteen to eighteen excuse me seventeen he's encouraging them to put on the armor so it the the, the the commands are to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, and another command is to put on the whole armor of God Pastor Kerr said that everything about this series should make us more serious about our responsibility and in the verses that we will begin to focus on exclusively or not exclusively because there'll be more passages but in greater depth in verse 18 we're told they are told and we're told through them that they should be praying at all times Praying at all times, praying, praying means it is a continuation, it is active, it is happening, it hasn't, they didn't pray or they haven't prayed past tense, but they are praying and they're supposed to be praying at all times. They're praying at all times, why? Because the context of their prayer is, is in the context of warfare. Even in the verses we've just read, and and scripture lets us know, and we'll look at some of the passages that remind us of the context in which we find ourselves. See, because it's not, it's not, as we'll see, as we'll state, I mean, everyone knows this, but, but this is just a reminder. We don't see the warfare with our naked eye. We can't see it. Circumstances come, right? Situations arise. And we don't know what's behind it all, but we know if we look at scripture, we know that something spiritual could be and likely is happening. And these verses let us know that they are likely happening more often than not. Because Paul encourages them, he lets them know that they are to stand against the schemes. The devil is scheming against us, right? A scheme is a designed, orchestrated, usually underhanded action. So someone is scheming against you. Have you ever worked with someone who's scheming against you? Have you ever grown up with someone who schemes against people and their attention is focused on you? If you have, then you know, you don't just sit there and just let them continue to scheme without any resistance. You do something to combat the scheme so that the scheme does not overtake you. Well, believer, Solid Rock Church, the Ephesians were told this, and we're told this as well, that the devil is scheming against us. The passage also says, moving along in verse 12, you're familiar with this because you just heard it last week. You know this already, but we know that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. We wrestle against cosmic powers. They're the ones who are scheming against us. If they are scheming, and one of the reasons why we have to be praying, one of the reasons why we should evangelize is because of the nature of our enemy. So 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Why should you be those things? Why should we be those things? Because our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So we're called to be sober minded. We're called to be thinking about the reality that we're engaged in spiritual warfare. And we're to be watchful. We're to be on the lookout for whatever schemes may be coming our way. Why? Because we have an adversary. We have someone who's against us. We have one scheming. And he's not just scheming. He's not just in the the room somewhere scheming. He's not in his ivory tower just scheming. For the passage in 1 Peter 5 lets us know that he's also on the prowl. He's looking, searching trying to identify who's open to be devoured. He's not playing any games. So here's the other movie, Friday. All the black people clapping. I can't recommend Friday from this, from right here. But I have seen Friday more than once. We're not going to say how many times. My wife does not like the fact that I've seen Friday any times. But there's a scene in Friday where Smokey (laughs) tells Big Worm, It's a black class, so that's why all the black, it's a black Smokey, nobody has real names in here except for Craig. Uh, so, so, So Smokey tells Big Worm that he and, see I told you I cannot recommend this movie, that he and Craig smoked all of Big Worm's weed. So Smokey does not have the money to pay Big Worm what he owes him. Craig did not smoke all the big worm's weed with Smokey. Smokey took all the weed and smoked it himself. And then he comes back and he tells Craig, "I talked to Big Worm." And then he tells Big Worm, I mean, he tells Craig that I told him that we smoked up all his weed. And then Craig is like, "What? Huh, what? Why you put my name in it?" And then he says to Smokey, one of the most real statements, if you come from where I come from. Smokey says, I was just playing. (laughs) Everybody's met somebody like that in their life, right? Person always playing. Craig says, How many people in the hood you know play like that when it comes to money? Well, if you're from the hood, you know nobody plays when it comes to their money. Our mindset about being in this warfare. And about the reality that that our enemy is on the prowl looking for someone to devour is this. Is that he's not playing. He's worse than Big Worm looking for his money. He's looking for someone. Not passive like, oh yeah, me and Craig. No, 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 no. Is this person open? Are they lacking in any way? Again, more street stuff. Don't be caught lacking. That's another thing we used to say, right? (laughs) Do not be caught spiritually lacking because the enemy, This is going to be another reference, but I ain't saying the name, another movie reference. The enemy is playing chess, not checkers. He's not responding to what you're doing. He's trying to set you up to put you in checkmate. That's what he's trying to do. And so for us seeing the nature of our enemy, then we need, we need to know that we are supposed to be in a place of action, not passivity. A further uh, illustration of what our enemy is like, Job chapter 1, everyone knows this probably, but it says in verse six, verses 6 and 7, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, where are you, where have you, from where have you come? Satan answers the Lord, answered the Lord and says, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. Now, it doesn't say what he was doing, except that he was walking. But but first Peter five tells us what he was doing. <laughs> He was, he was on the prowl, right? Because it's then after, it's verse 8, probably, where God says, Have you considered my servant Job? Right? God knows what he's doing. I, I just come from like looking, I've just come from scouring, I've just come from searching for someone to devour. And God puts his money on Job. And we know the story of Job. Another another indicator of what our enemy is like is found in Luke uh, 4.13. And this is is in response to Jesus um, being tempted. And then, I love this, only Luke has this, I think. Luke 4.13 says, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him. Some of them just say he departed from him, but they do not include that until an opportune time. The enemy is looking for an opportune time. to snatch away your faith if you allow them, The enemy is looking for an opportune time to make us ineffective, not just in our own salvation, that's one area, but also, as we'll see um, in, 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 uh, when we talk about prayer, also in the lives of other people through our prayers. See, so many times we're praying about the situations in our life, but in this passage that we're going to be focused on throughout this month, Paul is saying that we're supposed to be praying for all the saints. Now, have you ever considered like how much of some of the things you that may hurt you to to hear about that others have done? How much of you, you won't know this, but how much of that could have been avoided had I been praying for them? Or praying with them. Obviously people don't tell us everything. But hopefully we are praying for each other. So the context of verses 18 through 20. Where it starts off about praying at all times. The reason we pray for all, at all times is because we have an enemy that is scheming against us. Our enemy is relentless. And because our enemy is relentless. Then we need to be active. There are many passages, and I won't I won't chronicle them now, but that, uh, but we can even look at look back at at uh, First Peter. First Peter five uh, eight says, "Be sober, be watchful." So be. Remember, "be" is a little helping verb, right? To let you know that this is a state of being. I'm supposed to. At all times, be sober. At all times, I'm supposed to be watchful. There's no break from this. This is something we have to we have to be we have to be about that life. That's just what it is. We have to be sober-minded. We have to be watchful. Romans 12:2 uh, says, "This do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind." And then it goes on and it says more, but being transformed by the renewal. Again, ongoing, no break. If we would seek to be successful in being ready for where we find ourselves, then we have to continuously be renewing our minds. Because there are other, we already know there are other things calling us. If you ever been on a playground and you had, you ever been on a playground and and I don't know if ice cream trucks still roll. Oh, ice cream trucks still roll, yeah. But if you but if you if you've ever been out, out outside and you've been on a playground and people just calling people and there's there's a lot of activity. I mean, this world is like that. There's so much activity. There's a show on Netflix and you got to see the next episode, right? There's, there's, there's stuff on social media, oh, did you see that, that post? Did you, hear, did you hear about this? Oh, the Supreme Court did this, and this person, they have voices out here to distract us. But we're still called to be sober-minded. We're called to be watchful. We're called to renew our minds, not just once and done, but to be in the process of renewing our minds, Over and over and over again. Why? Because there's a relentless fiend coming for whoever is just found lacking. We wrestle. So even though we know that we don't wrestle only against flesh and blood, the reality is we are wrestling. And if we would wrestle, you can't be like Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't work out. I don't be lifting weights. I—I I mean, I walk a lot, but that's not—I can't see. I mean, at my age, that's not exercise. I'm not stretching. I remember I, went, I we walked—we walked 13 miles. 13 miles. And then, so we were participating in, the, in a fundraiser for the Jimmy Fund. So it was it was cool because obviously there's a lot of money there because once you finish those 13 miles or whatever, man, they had this tent with like 10 masseuses in there. <laughs> so you know, a brother needed a masseuse, so I just went up in that joint. That man was doing this thing. Then he was like, hey man, I really would encourage you to uh, stretch like you're very tight, you know. <laughs> Don't be like me in spiritual warfare, man. Stretch, lift the weights, have your mind where it needs to be because the enemy will make himself look like a masseuse and push that leg all the way back to your head and you pass a mic and then you just like, ah! And you're wondering like, where did all of that come from? Well, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. So we want to make sure that we are ready because he, well, he's ready. We tend, well, well I, I should say this. We, we, we already know this, but I'll just emphasize this. The context for prayer and for being able to share the message of Christ is is, is that we have an enemy that's looking for us. It, 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 it is that we wrestle, whether we know it or not, we, we wrestle. And it's also that these beings that we're wrestling with, they're in heavenly places, and our eyes cannot see heavenly places. We need telescopes, we need to send up send up you know. Little, spacecraft and things like that to be able to see what's out there in the heavenlies, right? Spiritually speaking, we do not see everything that's happening, everything that's coming our way. We don't know what's a fiery dart from the enemy. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know if the the niceness and the caring disposition of the person at work is a fiery dart or not. We don't know if what a person chose to put on or not put on is a fiery dart for us. We don't know if the comment or or the, the person weaving in and out of traffic, whether or not that's a fiery dart. We don't know if the comment that was made by a friend that stung, we don't know if that was a fiery dart because they were lacking, and I am too at this point. We don't know. Therefore, we ought to be ready. Right? We ought to be ready. We tend to wait for a crisis, an extreme trial, or some spectacular manifestation before we engage in spiritual warfare. But spiritual warfare is going on more of the times than we give it credit for. Instances that can seem like normal, run-of-the-mill situations can be manifestations of spiritual warfare. Just remember Daniel and his prayers that was unanswered. There was something spiritual going on. Just remember David when he took the census the devil, one part says David took the census. The, another, uh, another account says that the devil incited him to, to do the census. The hardness of heart of Pharaoh. There's something spiritual behind that, right? Even the woman in Acts 16 who 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 identifies Paul and Barnabas as servants of God of the most high who spoke the truth. There was something spiritual behind all of those things. It was more than met the eye. We never know how many situations we are engaged in that are have spiritual motivation behind it from someone we cannot see. We need to be. We need to be like the athlete. Like we can tend to to label. We can tend to wait to label uh, uh, things, spiritual warfare that that are like obviously that like once with hindsight. But we must be ready. We should take the mind of the athlete. uh, As we see in First Corinthians, chapter nine, uh, verse twenty five, it says every athlete exercises self-control in all things, not a few things, and all things. Why is he doing this? Why is he athlete? Why is she doing this? Why is she eating a, a particular diet? Why is she doing special exercises? Why do they not go certain places and make sure they go here? Why do they choose their chef? Why do they choose the gym that they're going to train out of? Why do they choose the school that they're going to? Well, they're doing it the second uh, sentence says, they do it to receive a perishable wreath. So they do it, back then it was a wreath, you know now it might be a scholarship. It might be a gold medal. It may be money. It may be whatever is the reward for being the best. They do it for something that will perish. They do it for something that will not last. They do it for something that is not enduring. But we do what we do. We exercise self-control in all things. Because we're seeking that which is imperishable. We're sowing to that which does not Fade away where moth or rust does not get to to contaminate or wear out. That's why we do what we do. Paul gives this illustration of us knowing that athletes go under, put themselves under strict discipline so that they can be winners. Right. But they're going after that, which is eventually going to perish. It will not last forever. And they do this year round. They don't, they don't take a break. They don't take a break. They're always mindful of that their being an athlete is part of their identity, as Pastor Kurt said last week, right? It's part of their identity. Is now I know I, I, I know the answer to this question. I know how most people will answer this question, but I'm still gonna ask it. Are you most identified in your life? As a believer in Jesus Christ. And if you are, that means that you have a target on you. Right? It's like it's like being, it's like gangs. It's like being bloods or crips. Right? One is blue, the other's red. Bloods red, Crips blue. So if you go into blood territory with that blue on that I like, I'm in Maryland, not Cali, so they don't, you know, I wear blue. But if you go there, you automatically have a target. There was this man that I worked with, he's from this area, he said he, you know, was in Cali for a while, and he said he he went into a place where, you know, he had on blue, and it was blood territory. So, of course, if you're walking around like you don't know, somebody's going to roll up on you like, hey, fool, what uh, what you doing around here, you know? And he said, I said, so, so what happened? I mean, he was still here, so obviously. He. <laughs> so I, like, I was like, what happened? He say, man, they could tell I didn't even know what was going on, man. <laughs> but it's not like that with the enemy. You as a believer in Christ have a target on you. I as a believer in Christ have a target on me. Now, I can't cower away from that. That's just a reality, Right? I can't be be afraid of that. That's just, I mean, my God is the most high. So I won't be afraid of that. But the reality is I could be lacking. I could be like, well, you know, that's not real. And, you know, some believers carry it that way. But we've just heard a series where we are encouraged not to carry it that way, so we won't. And my, my burden this morning in this message is to make sure that we are ready that we're not caught by surprise, that we don't get sucker punched, that we don't trip over something that we, that we shouldn't trip over, but that we are ready for whatever comes our way as much as we can be. See, this is the thing about, like, maturation in the Lord. It's the Lord that works in us the to-will and the to-do of his good pleasure, but it's we who have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Right. So we're we're working together, as Pastor Kerr said a few messages ago, we're we're cooperating with what God is doing. But when we're not cooperating, we need to be concerned. But I would like to say, please, please, please cooperate. If the athlete is looking at things that will perish and saying, I need to cooperate with being my best. Then believer, because we are trying to grasp hold of that which is imperishable, we need to do our best spiritually. See, for most athletes, there's no such thing as off-season. They might take like maybe like two weeks or something, but for the most part, when I hear, after, oh, the season's coming to an end, like, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go to uh, Bermuda uh, for a couple weeks, then I'm going to come back and get back to training. God, dog, okay, man. Why? Because his whole identity is about being the best football player, baseball, whatever he is. That's what it's about. So what's your mentality as it relates to your relationship with Christ? Is it the thing that most identifies you? If, if If we were to ask someone else about you, what would they say is most important about your life? What would they say? Now, I'm not saying that what they say is like Bible is the word of God. I'm not saying that they're, they're correct, but I'm saying it would, be, it would be interesting to hear what someone said is most important to you. I would challenge you to just ask three people what's most important, what, what does it seem like is most important to me about me, and see what they say. Y'all don't, you, don't, you don't have to tell me. I, mean, I don't want you to do that to tell me. I want you to do that to tell yourself. I want you to do do that so that you hear how other people process you, what they think is most important to you. Because more than likely, even though we can think certain things, like we can think all, man, beware of what we think. Like, just thinking right doesn't make you right. I'm going to say it again. Just thinking right doesn't make you right. Thinking right puts you on a path to doing right, but just thinking right doesn't mean you'll do the right thing. So please Make sure the right thinking follows through with right action. That is some of the, the reason for this, this, this series. It's like, okay, we know how to think about what's happening in, within the supernatural storyline, but we need to be able to walk out some things because we're part of it. We are, we are Acts 29 in a sense because Acts ends at chapter 28. 29, the the motivation behind that that name means that what God is doing is continuing. So we are that. Nobody's writing books about us, but in the book of truth and in the, um, the, the book of life, like our names in there. Right. So we're in there, but we're living it out. Living it out until God calls us home. So we need to be ready. We need to have, as, 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 as athletic people say, or people doing commentary on sports, especially football, we need to have our head on swivel. a swivel. Not in a way where we, where we are like, anxious, not that, that kind of swivel, but in the air, what's going on? The swivel like when I go to where I grew up at night, I put my mom's trash out every Monday. And I'm telling you, when I get out of that car, because I remember what it was like growing up around it, even though it's a lot different now. It's as if my ears get like rabbit ears, like big, so I'm listening out for everything. I scan the parking lot before I get out of the car. I get out. All, but all this is like in a matter of seconds. It's not even long. And then I'm just, I just look. And my eyes, I mean, I need glasses, so, I mean, my eyes not, not on point, but I make sure my glasses are on. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is a true story. My mom is, is remarried. Her husband moved in with her during the first uh, week that he had moved in, he was welcomed to the neighborhood by being robbed at gunpoint. So, now this was a long time ago, he good, he good, now. don't, don't, don't. He, he probably forgot about that for real. But me, I won't forget about it. <laughs> because it's like, okay, yeah, that's how it is. That's how it is around here, right? Um, so, yes, I'm looking, why? I'm aware of my surroundings. How aware are we? Of this surrounding, there is no off season. So this is why Paul told Timothy this. He told him this, and I think we would do well, and we may come back to this passage a few times, because this is one of those passages that, in my mind, and you've heard this from me before, but I'm, but it bears repeating. Um, uh, what, what I'll say after I read Second uh, Timothy four one through five. So Paul charges Timothy. He says, "I charge you in the presence of God and Christ of Christ Jesus." who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, Having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, be sober-minded. There's the sober-minded again. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Part of his fulfilling his ministry included being ready. To preach the word in season and out of season, which means that for Timothy and the implication for us, even though it's written to an individual, is that there is no off season. While we are here, that word must be preached. And while we are here, that engagement in the spiritual warfare that we don't see, it must take place by the preaching of the word. Therefore, we should be sober minded. Therefore, we're going to have to endure some suffering because we're wrestling against Beings that are stronger than us. So there's going to be some suffering. There's going to be some consequence. But that doesn't stop us from fulfilling our ministry either. It shouldn't stop us from fulfilling our ministry either. It should just make us aware that the context is one where we have to be ready. It's one where we have to be ready, where we have to be prepared. where we have to be prepared. And as Pastor Kurt said last week, The greatest offense to our enemy starts with personal obedience. And then he said that the second most offensive thing to do to our enemy is taking possession of the land. Right. The taking the possession of the land means that we are going into the enemy's territory. And you'll have to refer to Pastor Kurt's message. I'm not sure which one it is. It talked about the land, but it is, it is within the context of this supernatural storyline of the Bible um, series that we just finished last week. But taking, of the, taking possession of the land simply means, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a metaphor for telling others about Jesus. That goes right on to the enemy's territory and begins to take things back. Look at what, what it says in Jude Verses 21 and 23, keeping yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to show show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So we when, we, when we share the gospel, when we tell others about Christ, we are, and they respond, we are snatching them out of the fire, right? Because fire awaits those who do not bow to the most high. So we should be about snatching people out. We should remember who we are and even how blind we used to be and the things that we gave ourselves over to. And when we see that in other people, we should have a heart for them that says, nah, not today, Satan. I'm going to tell them something about, about you. I used to be like that. Or oh, Lord, help them. I mean, I'm I'm of the opinion and, and I'm, this is easing over into prayer, uh, uh, but and I'm not trying to focus on that primarily today, but but I'm of the opinion that even when we see situations that we have nothing to do with, if it breaks our heart that we should offer up a prayer to God. If we see people driving around my old way earlier, which is something I do quite often if, if I'm preaching, just to remind myself of like how, far and how, good, how far God has brought me and how good he's been. But early this morning, just seeing people that appear to be homeless, on drugs, people sitting waiting for the liquor store to open, Seeing even the reflection of neglect in the homes there and, the, you know, just everything in the community. That forced me to offer up a prayer. Why? Because I walked them streets. I walked those streets commonly. I didn't know that was my world. If I came off the porch, as some people said, say, it was just to like go there. Like that was my world. That was as big as the world was for me. And for those people, I fear that maybe that's as big as the world is for them, and they're trapped. They don't know any better right now. But hopefully God will send someone their way that will tell them about Jesus and flip the script. Last week I received a a Facebook inbox from um, a young lady who used to go to this church. She was early teens And she wasn't, you know, she wasn't wasn't walking with the Lord then as far as I knew. And she just recently started walking with the Lord. Recently for me is like it's within the last five years. Started walking with the Lord. So she Facebook inboxed me to see if she could get our address to send us a Christmas card. So I told Karen, hey, this person. uh, So what do you think? She was like, yeah. So I sent her uh, the address. But within within that Facebook inbox, she said, I remember the love you all showed for me back then. She said, I got lost, but I still remember that love, and the Lord has brought me back. The Lord may never let us see any fruit, but we're supposed to do what we do Because we are who we are, not because there's pressure to do something from us. I mean, hopefully we have a community where we're expecting people to pray, expecting people to share with share Jesus with other people. That should come natural on some some level, because usually when you experience something good, like you tell other people. So everybody who has Facebook knows that Pastor Mike and Miss Karen went to see boys and men a few weeks ago because that was something that was real good. Right? You know, you're know, you going to know that our children gave it to us because we're very appreciative that they blessed us in that way. right? So we want to say, thank you, kids. Our kids did this, yes, yes, yes. They love us. You're, you're going to know all that because that's a good thing. I can't help but share good things. How good is God to you? How good is Jesus to you? Can you not help? Or have you gotten to the point where you can help? What do you need to do? What's your driving around Landover? You know, I drive around Landover so I can remember. I can remember when I was. I can remember. Back in the day when they had strips to sell drugs, I can remember being on that strip to sell I can remember when the pathway that they covered up from where there's now grass to the buildings had a walkway that you could come up, and there was an ice cream truck that just sat out there, and everybody would go to that ice cream truck. It was like a a 7-Eleven in a truck. That joint was selling, like, toilet paper and everything, right? He was smart. (laughs) He was smart. (laughs) Because a lot of those people probably didn't even have cars, right? Probably didn't even have cars. I remember where the basketball court used to be. That now is just grass. A whole world hidden by the new world. <laughs> but my mind can bring that world back up. And my mind also brings up that, you know what? Everything that I remember, which there are some gruesome things that I didn't mention just now, Everything that I remember, like God saved me from what could have been. So what's your drive through Landover? Your Landover. Take it. Remind yourself of where God has brought you from so that you can be about that business of telling other people. So notice that in the Jew passage. Oh, I'm sorry. Ah, I forgot part of the Jude passage. Well, Jude, I think before 21, he talks about, about prayer and the connection between prayer and what comes in verses 21 through 23. Now, I think I, I didn't include it because I don't want to get into that at all. Um, but we'll talk about it more next next week about what does it mean to pray in the spirit? Because that's what's stated in Ephesians six. Eighteen, right? praying at all times we've just focused on the all times praying at all times in the spirit so what's going to happen over the course of these next few weeks is that we're going to look at prayer next week and then maybe a little more the following week that may be a hybrid message prayer and evangelism and then uh, the last week will be evangelism exclusively. Now, I am going to use some of the information that I think about maybe 50 some people um, took the survey that I sent like months ago. So I'm going to repost that in case um, anybody wants to like get in on it so that so that we can be proactive and address the things about evangelism that we need addressed. Um, and hopefully we, we can do that. But we definitely need to, I'll, I'll, I'll just do this right now. All right, you can, you can even, if, it, if, if it'll make you, to make everybody comfortable, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm sorry, trust me. I'm going to ask, so I'll let you process this. I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes. Um, and then I wanna ask everyone who is satisfied with their prayer life, to raise their hand, all right? So just, I don't want anybody to feel like they, so So if, if you are satisfied with your prayer life, um, would you raise your hand you're satisfied with it? All right, okay, all right, good. All right, now one, of, one, one person who raised their hand was moving their hand around like maybe kind of. So let me give another, so right, I'll ask it a different way assuming you're not just being humble because people are not perfect how many people are satisfied with their prayer life or reasonably satisfied thank you you can put your hands down um so i will say i'm sorry and you can open your eyes so just look around the room just look around the room I'm not. I'm not good at this. I know some people would be like, "Yeah, they're about uh, 75 people." I'm not. I'm not that. That's not me. That's not me. But if if I told you that I could tell you how many people put their hands up with these two hands, then that tells you like. And and I wouldn't put my hand up either. So just just so you know, I'm with I'm with the majority of people that I'm not satisfied with, with my prayer life. And I'm not even, I don't even have to qualify. I'm just not satisfied. It's not that I'm not perfect. It's, I'm not satisfied. I know I can do better. So we want to talk about how we can do better. We want to talk about how uh, how we can have a plan for, uh, for our prayer life um, uh, on on next week, begin talking about that. If there's anything to, you know, go over, we will. But I did that so that I, that we don't have a survey about prayer. It's just about evangelism. So that just was to help me, to give me some sense. So we'll uh, begin talking about prayer and then evangelism, and that will close us out. And it will it will be very practical. So if you have any practicals, um, this is what I'll do. So you know that we have a number where you can text questions. So instead of just texting questions, you can also text because I get them. Uh, these these responses come uh, you know come to me. I'm one of the persons they come to. So you can also put. Um, prayer colon and put like what you like plan, like I need to plan evangelism and then whatever you have a need in. So it might be, I need, uh, I need to know how to like transition conversations, right? So you can put that in the text, uh, as well. If you so choose, you can do that up until Wednesday, up until Wednesday of this week, If you do it like after Wednesday, I'm not guaranteeing I'm even thinking about what you did. Not because I'm being hard. It's just because of my own bandwidth. I just won't be able to probably do that because of my schedule. So I'll repeat that. If you have questions, you can send them to 240-623-8076. In addition to questions, even beginning right now, if you have any way you feel you need to grow in prayer that you would like That if it is at all possible to be touched on, you can also text that beginning now. If you have anything as it relates to evangelism that you would like touched on, uh, that you would like to hear more about, please include that as well. Because our context won't change until the Lord calls us home. Therefore, we need to be vigilant ourselves in engaging in that which can help us. And others, persevere to the end. And that's what we're here for as a church. We're here to help each other persevere to the end. we're here to, to begin um, uh, putting on the things that God wants us to put on and taking off the things that God calls us to take off. And we need to be doing this consistently because our enemy, his nature is to be relentless. And so we have to meet that relentlessness with consistent activity that allows us to be able to stand and allows us to not just stand, not just endure, but also to counterpunch, right? So counterpunching, for those who don't know, um, is when someone punches you and then you punch them. So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm like this and I have this left side of my uh, open, then this man or woman can hit me with a, with a hook that, you know, or when I'm coming back, they hit me real quick. That's a counterpunch. So we want to be able to counterpunch our enemy. We don't want to just be passive. We don't just want to be reactive. As Pastor Kirk said, the sword is an offensive weapon. So sharing the word through the context that we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, that is taking possession of the land. That is letting people, that's coming against everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we want to be about that work because the Lord wants to work through us and advance his kingdom and allow us as prayed to be the place on earth where his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I do ask you that you would help there to be a focus upon you. We've talked a lot about the context in which we find ourselves. Father, we, that, that context includes the reality that we are on the battlefield. But obviously, that's not all. Your word lets us know that you never leave us, nor do you forsake us. Your word lets us know that nothing can separate us from the love, from your love. Your word lets us know who you are. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the most high God. So if you are for us, as Paul said, who can be against us? So, Lord, the context does not scare us, but it only doesn't scare us because you're with us. And so, Father, I pray that even above the context that we would remember that you are with us and that we have the privilege of advancing your kingdom here on earth while there is time as we engage intentionally in the supernatural storyline of what's happening and unfolding on earth. I pray that you would help us to remember um, our ability to be ready and to remember that we have your spirit within us and that you always give us the victory through Christ Jesus. But Lord, let us remember that we have to position ourselves to even engage if you would give us victory. Father, we ask you that you would please continue to be with us throughout this day and throughout this week. Bless this week. We ask you that you will please bless the Summer Slide Prevention Program that's going on here during the week. We ask you, Lord, as well, that you would please bless um, the uh, women's gathering to shop with a purpose. We thank you for the generosity that we see already that has come this way. Uh, Father, we ask you that you would bless our efforts to bless those less fortunate, Lord, with with backpacks and uniforms as well, Lord, and we ask you that you would bless the baby shower. Lord, the baby shower will have many partners here. But, Lord, we pray that the mothers and the partners would experience some of you by being here with some of us. Father, we ask you that even there, Lord, that that there will be some taking possession of the land even there, Lord. Father, we thank you so much. We ask you, Lord, that you will please heal anyone in our midst who needs healing. We ask you that you will provide for those who need provision, Lord. We ask you that you would repair any relationships that need to be repaired. We ask you, Lord, that you would please save, Lord, those in our purview and in our relationship with us who are not walking with you, Lord God. We pray that you would honor the the prayers that we have prayed by bringing them in, Father. We pray for opportunity as well to speak your truth into their lives. And we pray for their hearts to be good ground that they may hear. Father, we ask you these things in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for being uh, co-laborers with you. Amen, amen, and amen.